So if you want to turn to John 21, we're going to finish out this, this book. And uh, we've been looking at John 21 um, under this idea, if you will, of going uh, backwards to go forward. And uh, because of uh, that, I just want you to note something here, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this here in just a second. But in John 21, uh, as we've talked about before, and it's on your, your hand out there, I, I've tr- just tried to rec- recap uh, each one of those that we've gone over the week, is um, that there's so much of this uh, event here that is similar to how the disciples were called the first time. Boat, fishing all night, no fish, big catch, uh, come in. So, uh, 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 so much of this is a sort of a going back to their, their original calling as disciples. And yet there's some new material and there's some other things here that, that seem to me to be very important. And so to, to go forward, sometimes we have to go back. Now I've got here on this, I did a screenshot on my, uh, on my phone the other day. I'm, I'm really getting technical now. You know, I can take a picture with my phone. So give it up. Here we go. I know, I know. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. That, that uh, yeah, everybody is saying, poor guy. Uh, uh, that, that I don't know about you, but in, when I was working through this to go back, to go forward, the thought for me was this. Has anybody ever had to, uh, because of your computer or your tablet or your phone, do a reset? Anybody? Don't you love that? Uh, you know, why is it that you have to go back to the factory settings or the reset on a computer, tablet, or phone? Why is that? That's a question you can answer here. Huh? You, huh? You put the wrong stuff in. Okay, what, what else? V- vir- yeah, sometimes you'll pick a virus up or, or malware. That we're all worried about that now, you know. And, and uh, sometimes you get things that corrupt the system and, uh, or things that you get in there and get sideways. I'm, I'm a guy, and so whenever I start working with anything, my answer always is push more buttons. Anybody? Right? Push more buttons. Just keep pushing. There's another button. Push that one. See if that will fix it. And um, uh, sometimes uh, in our, with our technology, we have to reset it. Reset it. And uh, hopefully it goes back to the factory settings and it'll work. In this final section here of John, uh, I want to look at it under this idea of this, this uh, particular topic. Uh, I, this is what's on your handout already. And uh, here we go. Here's the big one, the new one, the new improved one, the one that won't go forward. Should I reset this? Yeah, going back to go forward with a life reset, with a life reset. Uh, I see some things happening here that I want to suggest to you that, that maybe this is an image or an idea uh, that can help us. So we're going to look here. We, we, we spent some time last week, and I'm going to read it again because of time, but here in John 21, 15, when it says, and so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. 
Now, I, I want to stop there because we're going to go forward here in a minute, but this idea, we looked at last week why this continual use of, or the question of do you love me, and, and that's been explained, and if, you're, if you weren't here and were interested in that, you can listen to the recording uh, last week. Uh, but in this particular section here, or sec, uh, area, Jesus now says, do you love me? But then he gives him some instructions to that. What, what does Jesus tell Peter to do? Feed his sheep. Feed, to tend his lambs. <clears throat> and feed, he says it three times. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. And you know, people make all kinds of, if you will, distinctions about this. But this is probably, again, John's tendency to use synonyms for the same idea. Like I said, in that first section, he uses agape and phileo, and they're identical. He just, he's not repetitive. He, he doesn't like to repeat himself. And so to make much of this, I think, is a little far out. But there is this understanding here of this idea, if you will, of going back. Of the reset is the reset of vocation. The reset of vocation. I'm going to use a couple of words here that maybe you haven't heard in a while. But this idea of feeding lambs, of feeding sheep... It's interesting. Um, in, in, in this particular, remember what did Jesus say to the disciples the first time he called them? I want to make you what? Fisher of men. That's the first time. It, it, it's interesting here, you know, that, that he'd said before in this calling, I'm going to make it. Now this time it's feed my sheep. You might write in your notes here, I, we're going to come back to this and work through this, is this is this idea of fishing and feeding. Fishing and feeding. I, I worked on this all week because I kept thinking, now is there something to this in terms of the change in the calling, the metaphor? One might say, well, uh, from now on, feed the sheep. Well, does that mean don't fish anymore? <laughs> I don't think so. In fact, I, it's always been amazing. It's just in English, not necessarily in Greek, but it translates out. that When Jesus called his disciples on the Sea of Galilee back in Matthew, he said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I'm a little nerdy when I read the Bible. I try to notice what's there. And when I noticed that, when I read that some years ago, I noticed this. I need both hands here. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Does that remind you anything? Do you know what, you know what the Ten Commandments are called in Hebrew? 10 words. That's what, that's what it literally means in Hebrew. The 10 words. I've often reflected on that. Is that the new commandment now? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In this particular case, Jesus says, feed, tend, feed my lambs. And as I was working through that, I, I, I was looking at this idea that, that Jesus is not saying don't fish anymore, but feed. It's interesting, you'll, you'll, you'll go to some churches that they think that the most important thing to do is win the lost, right? And, and you go to churches like that? It's, it's good, you know? The problem is what do you do when you get them, <laughs> Right? I mean, my dad and I, we had this conversation many times. My dad was, really my dad carried the gift of evangelist. I don't know if you subscribe to that idea, but people have spiritual gifts of evangelism and administration and, and of helps and of, uh, and of watching Becky Moe and read. But, you know, that's my gift. 
My dad was an evangelist and he could lead a fire hydrant to the Lord. <laughs> I've watched him lead people to Jesus at a restaurant. I'm thinking, Dad, please stop that. You know, he'll, hi, would you mind if I ask you a question? I know, I know what's coming. He's evangelism explosion. If you were to die tonight, I'm, Dad, we're, we're, we're eating catfish here. Not, just please let him to Christ. My dad would, though, be honest with you to say once they get one, I don't know what to do with them. You know, I, I don't know how to really. My dad's basic discipleship was this. Go to church, read your Bible, and pay your tithe. <laughs> That's it. And my dad always had to have people around him in the church and ministry that could feed people. Now, where the problem gets in is we get into churches where the fishers don't want to feed and the feeders don't want to fish. That's the problem, right? In fact, I'll tell you this. There's a, there's a myth when people talk about, they say, well, we want to just be involved in discipleship. And I'll say, well, if your discipleship doesn't also involve fishing, it's not discipleship. It's just sitting around talking about stuff. So there's fishing and feeding here. Jesus is just extending this to them to say, your vocation is to feed. Not only get people caught, but then do something with them. A buddy of mine who's a pastor in Anchorage, Alaska, has an incredible um, uh, vision statement for his church. Uh, and uh, uh, I went up there a few years ago and, and um, he, he called me and said, would you mind coming to my church for a month and I'll fly you and Becky up there and you can stay in our house, which was on the side of a mountain in Alaska, in, in Anchorage, a beautiful home. And he said, I'll pay you, uh, uh, you know, I'll get you to come up and uh, pay your plane tickets, pay you $4,000, you can stay in my house and I'll give you a car. I said, let me pray about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I couldn't go. I could only go two weeks, so Terry Fakes and I split the deal, and they, they loved it. But uh, 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 that church had this mission statement. Find the lost, grow the found, send the empowered. I said, and that's the finest vision statement I've ever read in my entire life. Find the lost, grow the found, and then send the empowered. Now, now that's this idea here. It, it isn't that now the, the idea of fishing's over and forget about this. This is a reset, but it's a reset that includes now this new matter. Now, as I'm working through this, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm, I'm reading and, you know, discussing this. And the idea of vocation came to me. Becky and I were talking this morning and I got her so confused and then I got myself confused. So I better read this. <laughs> We used to talk about that people had a vocation and an avocation. Vocation is what you're called to do, what you're empowered to do. Avocation is a hobby, an interest, you know, something like that. And I was thinking about this because uh, our class is called the Rope Holders for Deborah. And there was a guy back in the 1700s named William Carey who started this statement. He said, if I'll go, I got to go, but you've got to hold the rope. He's really the father of modern missions. Um, he went to India and uh, literally just, let me read you some of the things that he did. Because I want to talk, let me tell you why. They asked William Carey one time, he was a cobbler. I'm a cobbler, but I'm a peach cobbler and... Um, <laughs> 
that kind of stuff. He was actually a cobbler that worked on shoes. I'm more of a peach cobbler um, and coffee. Um, they asked Kerry one time about his life, and he said, my vocation is to win people to Jesus. My avocation, my hobby that funds that is I'm a cobbler. See, I thought at that, I thought, is that the way I see myself? Is that the way you see yourself? That my vocation is to lead through fishing and feeding people to Jesus. And my way I support that habit is I'm an accountant or I'm a work at a grocery store. Becky's dad, we used to laugh. He, his vocation was farming. His avocation was he ran cattle in the winter to support his farming habit. <laughs> As we talk, we used to say that all the time. You know, Arlen's farming habit, he has to have this avocation of running cattle and all like that in Colorado so he can support it. Do you see your, what's your vocation? And what's your avocation? Is it, is it too much to say to followers of Jesus in this culture and this world we live in that is coming unglued that we need a reset? That my vocation is to be a fisher and a, of men and a feeder of the sheep. And I do that at my job. I do it in my neighborhood. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have to go to India, but, but listen to this. He, 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 when, when Kerry went to India in 1793, he, he didn't go there to set up a church or, 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 or do something. He, he, he said he went there to disciple a nation. He said, what would India be like if Jesus was Lord of India? James Ryland, who was a pretty famous guy back then, this see, people didn't go to the mission field back then. This really is the beginning. This was, there was not a lot of mission work before 1790 with William Carey. And James Ryland said to him, you don't worry about the, the heathen. If God wants to save them, he'll do it without you. That's what we call high Calvinism. <laughs> Nobody needs to get involved. And Carey said, no, that's not the way it is. And so, and so Carey goes to India. Listen to the things that, things that he did. Because he said, he, he said, my vocation is to lead people to Christ and disciple them up. My avocation, the way I do it, is I'm a cobbler. That's how I make my money. That's what he did. He carried out a systematic survey of agriculture and campaigned for agricultural reform. He introduced a system of plant organization that was the first and, and published the first science text in India. William Carey did that. He introduced the idea of saving banks to India to fight the pervasive social evil of usury where they lended money at excessive rates, you know, like the mob, like Godfather. You know. When he went to India, he was the first to campaign the human treatment of people who had leprosy. He believed Jesus' love extended to leprosy patients so they could be cared for. He established the first newspaper ever printed in the Oriental language. He believed that above all, all forms of truth and faith that Christianity sought free discussion. He began dozens of schools for Indian children of all caste and launched the first college in Asia. He was the first man to stand up against the ruthless murder of widows 
You know, back then in India, if your husband died, they burned you with him. It was persistent. It was a 25-year battle to stop what it's called sati. And, and William Carey's famous statement that I remember as a kid going to college when I heard what he said, my vocation is to lead people to Christ and disciple them and bring them into the knowledge of the Lord. My avocation is I'm a cobbler. I'm wondering, as I'm thinking about it, I'm just working through this. Is this the way I see life? Jesus is saying to these guys, hey, you're, here's your vocation. You're going to have to have a job. You know, Paul was a tent maker. Peter continued to do some fishing. There's some evidence that Luke, who uh, uh, was, a, uh, was a doctor, continued to practice. Others that were, you know, they can, but they had it clear in their mind. What's your vocation? I, I, I wrote this down when I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, we get so busy in life. I wrote this. Life's not just about going to work to make money, to save money, to pay our bills, to have a house, to raise kids, and to be able to go on vacation and do it again. That's not what life's about. Corey Tinboon is supposed to have said this, and then Anne Lamont, I think, uh, stole it, who'd said this, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll just try to keep you really busy. Busy. This, this understanding of a reset on vocation, is it in our lives and in our experience, do we understand our vocation and our avocation? I'm not saying don't go to work. I'm not saying we all, we all decide to, you know, just lay around. But do you see your job? Do I see my job? You say, well, Cliff, that's not fair because you get to teach the Bible. Yeah, but you know what? There are some days, I, a lot of days, I would just want to go to class and say, I'll, I'm going back and close my door at my office. Okay, I did my job. Leave me alone. You know, they knock on the door. Dr. Sanders, are you busy? And I go, Yes. You asked me a question, <laughs> but I'm supposed to be here for you. So come in. <laughs> I'm real strong medicine for some of these kids, but I can go to my office after teaching the Bible and sit there and just sit down and forget the rest of the world. Don't, don't, don't think just because you're in ministry or you're involved in some kind of religious activity that you understand my, my vocation is to lead people to Christ and to grow them up. I'd ask you to think about that. I've got a quote on your handout here. Um, <clears throat> this from Maxie Dunham is the president of Asbury Seminary. He said this, is the love of God for you becoming the love of God in you? Well, we'd love to talk about the love of God for us. But is the love of God in us now in the way we live and operate and act? And again, I don't, I don't think this has to be some dramatic thing. You know, I, I don't think this has to be something dramatic where you have to quit your job and go, unless, you know, that's what you want to do and go to the mission field. I, I was talking to a, a guy the other day, and this is a fact. You know, boy, I, this, this is, you just, thoughts and opinions of this teacher are not necessarily thoughts and opinions across the community church, it's elders or leadership. I understand the need for security in our country. I get that, and I'm for it. But in some ways, the world is coming to us. You know? 
Uh, again, I'm, this is not a statement about security or border. I'm, not, I'm, ju I'm just saying this. The fact is, the world is coming here. And if our vocation in life is to make money, to pay bills, to raise kids, to keep the yard mowed, to finally make our way to vacation so we can get out of here and, and relax and then get back, we're probably going to miss that. Just got back from our annual meeting in uh, Wichita. Um, this, we had a, a lady speaker. You know, some traditions don't believe in that. Her name is Danielle Strickland. She's like a general in the Salvation Army. But she didn't look like it. I mean, she looks cool. <laughs> you know, they don't wear the uniforms, you know, but um, she had on a cool shirt and jeans, and all, you know, all hip. I was there in polyester knit, and, you know, because <laughs> I'm old. I can't wear those skinny jeans. <laughs> if, if I ever see anything that says trim, or I just keep moving, moving, keep moving. Um, but, 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 you know, she, she talked about how the world is coming to us and how that maybe they live in your neighborhood or maybe they, whoever they, I don't know who they are. I'm just saying people from other places. I, I have a student, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a huge Muslim um, enclave right around uh, Penn Square Mall. One of my students called the Sparrow Project, is P-A-R-R-O-W, where um, um, many of them are Somali, from Somalia. And uh, um, Derek uh, works with them, teaching them English and, and talking to them about how to cook American food and then to enjoy the food that they make and to help them with their kids and how do you get enrolled in school. And that, that's, that's Derek's vocation. He just lives here. He has a regular job. His wife is in the Air Force. But, you know, he just found some people finding the lost, growing the found, and sending the empowered. Now, I'm not saying I'm good at this. I'm, I'm not saying I got this all figured out. But this passage has made me face have I allowed my job to become my vocation? Or is it my avocation? It's a means to an end. I need to do a good job. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my very best. I, I love what I do. But is it just an end in itself or is it a means to an end? So let me, let me just ask you if you would consider this. Uh, what if you asked Jesus to guide you into fishing or feeding this week? <laughs> Would you be willing to let him guide you? Some of you, you know, I have a couple of friends, Dave Fatkin, who's in this class. I said, to Dave, is, Dave can meet anybody in any place at any time. I'm just fascinated by him. And he has led people to Christ. You know, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to try to lead someone to Christ, I say, but now wait a minute, do you understand the nature of God? Are you understanding the nature of sin and salvation as it relates to soteriology? And they're just saying, I just want to become a Christian. I said, well, just hold on. This is going to take a little bit. <laughs> Don't ask me to do that stuff. I'm, I'm no good at it. It doesn't mean I shouldn't be sharing my faith in what Jesus has done for me. But if you turn me loose on somebody like that, I'm going to start digging around in all kinds of stuff. And that won't be good. But David can lead him. Then, then Dave knows how to hand him off. Now Dave doesn't forget about him, but 
He knows he's a fisher. How about feeders? What are you? What am I? It, it trouble. It worries me at times that I think, am, I, don't, I don't know if I'm doing enough fishing. And I'm not talking about going and grabbing people. I'm just talking about being alert through your day. Just alert. Had a guy one time, I was in a running shoe store because I like running shoes and it's kind of a vice on my end. I've got them in the closet and like that. And I was talking to this guy and I was talking about, well, I know this uh, has this EVA deal, but it breaks down because of that ASICs rebound. He said, man, you know a lot about shoes. I said, yeah, I do. My wife knows a lot about mowing, but I know lots about shoes. <laughs> Yard work. By the way, I got injured yesterday at Seaworth. I'm not kidding you. I woke up this morning and went, oh, <laughs> I'm on ibuprofen right now, <laughs> Eric. Oh, moving slow. And I just said, well, you know, I just think, you know, that I believe that I was created by a good God who wants me to take care of this temple. And I'm just trying to honor Jesus and what I do. He said, what? <laughs> We had a conversation. I mean, I didn't get him down on the floor. And now, pretty, dear Lord, you know, I <clears throat> didn't do that. But I said, hey, if you ever want to talk again, I'm, I'm available. Guy was uh, treating our house the other day for carpenter ants or something. I just thought there was one kind of ant. I didn't know that. That's why. I did. So he's walking through my house, and I have a couple of books <clears throat> in the house. <laughs> and he said to me, wonderful guy named Jim. He said, are you a pastor? And I said, no, <clears throat> but I was once. Because I have a book by Eugene Patterson, Peterson called The Pastor. <clears throat> and uh, he said, would you pray for my 17-year-old son? He said he's going to court. He's in trouble. He doesn't listen to me much. But would you <clears throat> pray for him? And I said, Jim, I'm going to pray for him right now. You stop. We're going to pray. And we just, in my living room, just prayed right there. I said, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to pray about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Right now. We're praying about it right now, Jim. And uh, I said, and here, here, here's, you know my content. You, got my, you tell your son if he wants to talk to somebody. I'm available. That's what I'm about. If I can help. He was back. I had to leave Seaworth already because he had to come back to my house to do some other stuff. He's like a family friend now. I don't really know where Jim is. I don't know if Jim just comes from a cultural background of Christianity and when he's in trouble and he's, you know, pray. I don't know, but we'll find out. <laughs> I got the lure out there. <laughs> I'm doing a little fishing. It wasn't weird or it wasn't strange or I didn't have to make something up or create some wonderful entry line like, you know, when I think about termites, I think about the Trinity. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people get stupid, right? Christians really get stupid. Like you're going, oh man, you are one of those? I'm out of here, right? It, you, you don't have to press, you don't have to push. Just be you and... Allow the love of God that's for you to be the love of God in you. Just, just allow that to happen. And this week, would you let Jesus guide you 
I didn't listen. I wasn't trying to do anything with Jim. I wasn't trying to make some conversational thing. I was really ready for him to leave. He'd been monkeying around my house for about an hour, and I thought, "We're done. Come on, leave." I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to do something. It just happened. But if our vocation is to fish and feed, maybe. Our avocation can just open the doors there where God will. Could be on a golf course. That's where all the ungodly people are most of the time anyway. So. Sorry, Wayne. <clears throat> I just saw Wayne in Sunday school today for the first time in a long time, so I just thought, pow! <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just be willing. Just be willing. Here's what I would do. Each morning this week, just say, Lord, I'm willing to fish or feed today. And fishing may just mean you just tell what Jesus has done. He's answered a prayer. He's helped you out with something. He's been involved in your family. So I don't know. Just that may be all it is. Just, hey, I just am so thankful for the way God has helped my whatever. Or if somebody has a question or a concern, you can. I got a guy in my neighborhood that wants to talk about the Bible. He walks his dog. I walk my dog sometimes. And I thought, well, maybe Steve and I can get together. Do some feeding. Now, notice here. So, so Jesus says, feed, tend, feed. Okay? And then, and then, here's a second one on this reset. Reset purpose. 1890 said, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk where you wanted or wished, but when you grow old, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying the kind of death, he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Now looking at this here, um, purpose, reset purpose. There are two words in here, two thoughts. I'm going to try to unpack them, but there are two ideas in here. One is to glorify God. I've got these five. And the other one is follow. This comes back again a bit to this in this reset of purpose. It's not on there. I'll do it. Here we go. Notice what he says. Uh, you know, one of these days, are he saying to you, you know, this is going to happen to you. And, and Marty's comment on this before. He said during a, a Holy Week one time that, that, that Jesus is really letting Peter know, hey, here's what's going to happen. Lean into it. Somebody, one of these days, they're going to, you used to, you know, this idea of, the idea of their girding his belt, putting a, getting dressed, in other words. Kind of getting dressed and going wherever you wanted to. But there's going to be a day when that's not going to happen anymore. They're going to take you where they want you to go. I don't know if this means for everybody. I, you know, I don't know that. I don't, I, obviously, this was to, to signify that he was going to die a martyr. I mean, we're, we're probably not going to die as martyrs. Probably none of us will. You know, uh, we, 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 this is specific to Peter. I know that. But it is interesting that he said that this is how you will glorify God. And as I'm, I'm, I'm working through this, I'm thinking this really is the purpose of life. That whatever we do and wh however we live, however we die, that we would do it in a way that would bring glory to
to God. Now look, let's be honest. In America, we don't know much about suffering and difficulty and trouble. But man, you, you go around the world and you find other followers of Jesus and they're paying a heavy price. And so following Jesus doesn't make life better. Sometimes it makes it worse. That's just a fact. We've lived a pretty easy lifestyle in America. We've lived a pretty comfortable lifestyle. I'm not saying I, I'm, not, I'm not voting for bad. I'm not asking for that. I'm simply saying that the scriptures seem to teach that it's more than comfort, it's more than ease for life, that it's life that brings glory to God. Glory here, doxas, the idea, and it's all through John, is to make much of, it's to bring honor to, it's to magnify. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what is the purpose of life, Cliff? Is it just to be comfortable? You know, I've told you before, I've thought... Uh, we, we, when we bought this house up here on the north side, I was just talking to Becky the other day. I said, do you like where we live? She goes, yeah, don't you? And I said, yeah, sort of. But I wonder if we bought at the right time. I wonder if we uh, should have waited. I wonder if we're in the right neighborhood. I wonder if the equity that we, you know, just on and on and on. And I've had the Lord every once in a while elbow me and say, hey, there's more to life than that. Okay? Maybe I got you in this neighborhood and you're not going to make as much money on your house. And you're not going to be as comfortable because there's some people I need you to get next to. Think of that? No. <laughs> is that ever possible? That, that really the issue here is glory to God? Not just that we're more comfortable. I'm, I mean, I'm all for comfort. I'm not, I'm not signing up for discomfort, okay? I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to make some kind of uh, artificial thing that you have to suffer. I'm just saying this, that it has been the history of the people of God that sometimes when they follow Jesus, it don't get better. But in America, we think that's the way it is. When things get tough, we start, God, where are you? I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. But to glorify him, I told you before, when my dad was dying, my uncle, his brother, said to him, Marvin, maybe, maybe the last thing you can do for your kids and your friends is die in a way that brings glory to God. You know about my dad? I can, he just, we celebrated, not celebrate, we just remembered. I, that's a dumb word. Last week, his fourth year of passing. And I remember when the, Hospice people came. Their constant comment was this. He was the nicest man we've ever been around. He was always thanking us for everything that we did. And, and the lady that took care of him at the very end, we invited her to the funeral. We had her sit in the hearse with us. And, and, and she commented over and over again, what, what a wonderful man. I, this is the guy that, you know, when I, I didn't know his first name wasn't Sir till I was nine. Someone, who is this? <laughs> I come to realize my, my dad was such a kind and loving person. He had his, I mean, he wasn't perfect like me, but he, you know, that's not true. I hope someday I'll be half the guy he is. I, I, I told my Bible study that Friday morning we were talking about this, and I said, you know, I, I've been a, I've been a worrier. I like control. Um, and I'm just kind of a worrier by nature. I, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying that that's the way it is. And some time ago, um, 
is I was reflecting on it much longer earlier than this about this idea was, is I said, does it bring honor? Does it bring glory to God when I'm this nervous knucklehead about everything? Does it, does it bring glory to him for me to think he's not going to take care of me? Does it bring glory to him when I think he's going to drop me like a hot rock? Does it bring glory to God when, when I'm nervous and worried? I understand worries are a reality and I'm not trying to beat up on us. But what if this is the question you ask and if I ask all the time? In this activity, in this situation, is this a way to bring glory to God? Here's what I tell my students. You know, they'll, they'll come ask me sometimes, you know, they want to know about these moral issues. Can Christians dance? Like that, I go, well, some can and some can't. But they, I'll say, you're, you're asking the wrong question. You know, can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I drink this much alcohol and still be a Christian? Can I, can I do this and be a Christian? And I say, you're asking the wrong question. Here's the question. Is what I'm about to do bringing glory to God? This will solve the issue. Quit asking, is it wrong or is it right or can I do it? Or is it on the edge? Ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to consider doing, will it bring glory to God? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, don't. It'll take care of all this sin management stuff we're trying to do. It, 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 it replaces a can I, should I, will I, may I. To, I want to bring glory to God. I want to honor him. The TV shows I'm watching, the time, way I spend my money, the way I spend my time, the activities I get involved in, instead of, is it right, is it wrong, is it good, is it, what is, is it bringing glory to God? That will solve a lot of problems. And it will recenter me and you in a lifestyle that has a reason to do it, not a reason not to do it. In fact, I, I want to suggest to you, you can't stop doing things just because they're wrong, or you can't stop doing things because you just feel like they're, they're in, 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 incorrect to do. You can only stop doing something when you replace it with something better. Glory to God. I, I love what John Piper, I don't believe everything. John, I, you know, I read theologians like I eat fish. I eat the fish and spit out the bones, but, you know, I don't even believe everything I think. I'm still working on it, but <laughs> really, I don't. The thing I think, hmm, I don't know if I believe that or not. That really shakes my students up. They'll say, well, what do you, I, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it, but not sure I believe it. They wonder why they're paying that much tuition. <laughs> Here's what John Piper said, if you want to kind of pull this down to daily living. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. You want to glorify God this week? Get satisfied. Get satisfied in Jesus that he is enough, that he is what you need, that he is with you, that he is the presence of God in your life. God will be most glorified when we are most satisfied. You know what? We're going to finish John next week. <laughs> I heard something the other day about preaching that I violated like eight of these rules every Sunday. 
But, but notice this, this other thing, reset purpose. Even in the midst of that, though, because I got some really good stuff here at the end that I want you to have. Um, and I know some of you that have to have all the blanks. Come see me. I'll give you all the blanks, and you can then survive the week. Notice what he says, and this was going to be the death that he would die, and it's not going to be fun, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But it will be worth it because it will bring glory to God. Then he says, follow me. See, see, this is, the, this is if you will, this, this idea, reset the purpose. Live to the glory of God and follow him. You know, I, I've said this before, but I, I just want to remind you that I think in, in Christendom, if, and that's a terrible, crazy thing for me to say because I don't know all Christians, but in my reading of theology and my being in ministry, I think there's a huge emphasis at times placed on believing in Jesus, but somehow that believing in Jesus doesn't translate into following Jesus. That's a huge disconnect. Jesus didn't say, believe in me that much. He did say, follow me. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> we'll look at that a second. The, the emphasis in Jesus is follow me. Not just believe. And I would just say this. If my belief or your belief in Jesus doesn't cause me to follow, it's not what the Bible calls belief. If I believed you and you said, hey, meet me in the atrium and I'll take you to Don Pop, Not Don Pablo's. Where did that come from? I just got back from flight. It was closed years ago. Hope I don't hear anybody. And it should have. But <laughs> if somebody said, look, meet me in the atrium and we'll go to, uh, now I lost all the Mexican restaurants, Pablano's. If I believed you, where will I be? In the atrium. I'll follow that. And this is what Jesus said here. He, he says, look, I know, Peter, what I'm telling you is a little disruptive. Follow me. Now, some commentators have thought on this. Is it follow me in this way of death? Because Jesus died on the cross. And it says here, you'll have your arms outstretched. Somebody will take you where you're going. And it's the idea that, that he'll be crucified. But the statement remains the same. Follow me. And I, I've told you before, I, I don't use the word Christian much anymore. I don't know that it means much anymore. It's, it's all jammed up with all kinds of things. And I've just adopted the idea that if people ask me, what am I? Like, you know, if I, my face, it says a Facebook, you know, what's your religious deal here? It's, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't always do that great. I, I fail at times. I fail him. I, I go my own way. I decide to make a turn here. I'm not going to do that. But I'm committed to the notion of following Jesus. Of following his way, of following his ideas, of following his, his approach to life. And if you, if you want to know what that is, I, I would recommend you start in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I love Paul and I read him a lot, but I realized some years ago, I spent way too much time with Paul. He's a theologian, I like him, he's smart. But I need to get back over to Jesus. What did he say? What, what, what was his opinion about this? 
that, 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 that's reset on my purpose is to ask myself on each and every day, in each and every situation, am I following Jesus? Am I doing what he would do here? Am I willing to be led by his spirit, by his presence to, to do what he would do here? Not what Americans would do here, not that they're always distinct, but they can be. Not what church people do, because it doesn't have to be distinct, but it can be. Is it following Jesus? The word here suggests follow, but there are some terms, these terms, uh, there's another term used of this, it's called mimeo in Greek. And it, yeah, it, where we get the word mimic. I think that's true, but the Christian life, as I understand it and see it, is it's not just me mimicking Jesus, it's allowing Jesus to fill me with himself through his spirit so he can work through me. Yesterday I was going to Seaworth, and I just, you know, this isn't some dramatic thing, and I'm just, as I'm driving, I'm saying, now Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to guide me to the people that I need to be around or to do the work that you want me to do and to, to be open to what you want to do. I'm just trying to learn to respond, not, not manipulate, not control. And then Eric, and then put me on pulling weeds. And I said, the devil, <laughs> I did yard work all day yesterday and I'm not happy. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, I'm trying to learn to respond. Where are you leading? What are you doing? Help me just respond. It's taking a lot of pressure off but to follow. I want to end with a little story here about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Fred Craddock, who's an incredible preacher. I don't know if Fred is still alive or not. He was a United Methodist guy and wonderful preacher. All of us wanted to be like Fred, uh, but we couldn't. Um, he told a story one time about what it meant to follow Jesus. And, and Fred said, it's, it's like Jesus comes to you and gives you $1,000. He says, I want you to use this for good. I want you to, I want you to, to use this and bless and honor and do good and follow me. And he said, what we want to do is we want to take that $1,000 and we want to do something dramatic, you know, big time. It, 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 it's like we, we got to do something that we go out in a flame of glory, you know. Woo, look what Cliff did, right? Craddock said, that's not what it is at all. It's Jesus says, now I want you to go to the bank. I want you to cash that $1,000 and I want you to get it in quarters. And for the rest of your life, I want you to go out handing out a quarter here, quarter there, quarter here. Not dramatic. Not so you can be on TV or somebody write a book about you or sell cassette tapes. Not that he, wait, nobody has cassette tape, right? I'm an old guy, okay? Just be easy on me. Cassettes, CDs, live streaming, whatever. That's what we want to do is go out with a blaze. Instead of every day following Jesus, taking out the garbage, helping a neighbor pull their dumpster back in, listening to some kids at vacation Bible school, some of y'all did that. So, uh, it's, it's, it's staying a little later for a friend because they got a lot on their plate. It's taking lunch 
to somebody. It's sending a card because you know somebody's struggling. It's praying a prayer that the person may never know about it, but you know. You know. It's just those things of saying, what would it be to follow Jesus on a regular basis? Now, now Peter's going to follow him in a dramatic way. You know, He would be on television back then if they'd had it. And that's the way most of us are wired. We, we'd like for people to know. But this following Jesus thing is in the everyday. I, I heard a phrase and I tried to find it. It's called, it's, it's, it's following Jesus in the dailies. The dailies. The daily stuff. Taking out the garbage. Speaking to your neighbor. Talking to the person at the cleaners who's lost your ticket. <laughs> and you're sitting there patting your foot. Can't they find competent people to work here? Yeah. Not following Jesus. <laughs> okay, just give you a clue here. But it's in the dailies of following. So uh, this week, why don't you carry a quarter with you all week? Just, you know, put it in your pocket. Just a quarter. And uh, every time, don't, don't use, don't spend it. <laughs> but uh, throughout the week, when you, you know, for some change or something like that, you see that quarter reminds you this is how I'm following Jesus. Quarter at a time in the dailies in less dramatic ways than when it would figure in my life. Now we are going to finish this next week. <laughs> We're running out of material <laughs> because there's a couple of things in here I just, if you want to read about it, there's a couple of fascinating Issues here that I want to end on. So let's pray. And Jesus, as we reset here, as you help us reset, like these disciples who had their lives reset, their purpose reset, their, their vocation reset, would you help us? Would you guide us? Would you lead us? If we need that reset, there, there may be people in our Lord don't need that reset, but some of us do. So help us to be reset back to factory settings. Back to the way you want it. Maybe different than the way we want it, but the way you want it. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.